What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Coming to you on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. We've got a lot going on today. I'm going to take my time and try to break it down for you as best that I can. It was a very eventful weekend in college football. And as it stands right now, the college football 2020 season is hanging by a thread. But I'm going to get into some things that I've learned, and some of you are somewhat familiar with uh, some of the reports that are going around, some of the developments. But I'm going to break it down as best I can and kind of tell you what I have learned kind of behind the scenes. Talked to a lot of people over the course of the last 12 hours or so. And to be honest with you, uh, spent more time on it than I wanted to. But the bottom line is this, it's that... um, We all have questions, you have questions, I have questions, we need answers. And uh, at the end of, I'm going to have a call to action at the end of the show. There's some things that I think need to take place and uh, I'll share that with you and hopefully that you will agree. There is some good news today. Alpha Dogs now completely available for pre-orders. I told you we'd have it out here. And if you want to go to my Twitter profile or my Facebook page or go to the website, alphadogsthebook.com got a neat little rock video that uh, we had put together paid uh, to have that done and uh, bought the licensing for the music and everything wanted to do it legit I don't want to be one of these people that just kind of comes off half-hearted and the next thing you know stuff happens and so I don't know if social media will flag my video or not due to the music but I have the license and so we'll appeal and get it handled but I have paid for the license to use that that music and uh for those of you that wonder, and there will be some of you that ask, the name of that song is, um, is, is from a band called Nine Lashes, and the name of the song is uh, Never Back Down. Never Back Down from Nine Lashes, actually a contemporary Christian group, if you're not familiar with them. I kind of stumbled upon the track and really dug it. I thought it was really, really cool, and I was looking for music myself. I had somebody else was working on this project for me. It didn't work out, and that happens in life. Uh, but I was like, I said, hey, find some royalty-free music. So I found this song, and I dug it so much. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to take anything for granted here and assume this is royalty-free. So I actually contacted the band and uh, had some connections with the lead singer and said, hey, this is what I want to do. And they've actually changed record labels since then. So I had to go through all that process, something brand new for me. I love learning new things, uh, even when they cost me a little bit of money. But I'd never done anything like that before. So I had to go through all that and go through the licensing request. Well, we got it all done, and I think it worked out really good. Drew Walker, uh, you guys may be familiar with Drew. Drew's a friend of ours and a um, you know, big fan of Drew's work, and uh, Drew did the work for me, and, uh, and here we are. And so Alpha Dogs, the book, that's D-A-W-G-S, Alpha, A-L-P-H-A, 
D-A-W-G-S.com. Or you can use every other link that I've ever had before. You can go to BeautifulSteveRobertson.com. It'll take you to the same place. But AlphaDogsTheBook.com and go pre-order today, personalized copies. Matter of fact, i got to go sign books for you guys too. You can get Flim Flam and Stark Villains there. And uh, I've got to go rush and sign some books a little bit later today because there were some books ordered over the weekend. And thank you guys for that. But uh, I'm really excited about it. As we get a little bit closer to release date, I'm going to talk a little more about it and share some of my favorite stories from all that. But uh, many of you have messaged and, and have been very supportive of me over the years and said, hey, Steve, when that new book comes out, let me know. I'm going to pre-order. Well, now you can pre-order. And uh, I was told within the first 30 minutes of uh, the website being live, we sold about 20 copies already. So it's off and running. Uh, be sure to order yours today. And uh, listen, if you liked Stark Villains, you're going to love Alpha Dogs. Simple as that. And I've had so many people that have said, you know what, Steve, thanks so much for writing the Mississippi State Stories. Listen, it is my gift to you. Uh, but uh, listen, there's so many things in life we can write about. And uh, I am so blessed to be able to write about the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And, and I take a lot of pride in our history and our legacy and heritage of the program. And uh, it's been one of the joys of my life to be able to document so many great stories and so many. Listen, these stories always seem to find me. I mean, there's some things you start out and you have a framework and say, hey, I want to talk to I want to talk to Eric Moulds. I want to talk to Sleepy Robinson. I want to talk to Rafael Palmera. I want to talk to Mitch Moreland. And I was able to do that. And there were a couple of stories that I wanted to get in the book that I wasn't able to get connected with some people. But that happens. But you know what? A couple of years, I'll write another one. You, know, you never know. I've got people I got contacted again yesterday but somebody else who wants me to help write a book for them for next year. So you just never know. As I have warned you guys before, I am going to stack these books up for you. We're going to document the Mississippi State Athletic Heritage and uh, for future generations. We're going to have it so we can enjoy it now because many of our, our heroes are dying off. And that's one of the things that um, really struck me when I did my research for the Game of Change. And uh, that's kind of an exhaustive chapter. I believe that is the longest chapter in the book. Uh, it's basically two chapters in one. It's about 5,000 words. And so many of our heroes on that team have already passed away. There's only a handful of those guys that are still living. And I was able to speak to Bill Anderton and kind of get some inside information. And, and I don't know that Bill's uh, story, his, you know, his insight has ever really been shared. And so I'm excited about that for you guys to read that. But uh, it's not just Game of Change, but Game of Change and the Alan McKean chapters, I think, are, are, are anchors for this book. I, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of speculation out there about the Alan McKean years. And so I went directly to some people that would know and uh, got some information for you and documented it. And uh, I'm really, really, really proud of the work. And uh, I, we have edited this book to the point that my eyes crossed several times and uh, you know, uh, my publisher and agent, Paul Brown, and uh, the lovely Suzette, we all worked diligently on this book for some time. And so when you read it, there might be a mistake or two in there. Because every time I, I, we would do it and go back, I'd always say, hey, we, we should redo this. And so I don't know that it's perfect, but I can tell you that I, I have never worked harder on a book than this one. Yeah, and that, that includes Flim Flam. You know, Flim Flam, I spent a lot of time doing research and fact-finding that sort of stuff to make sure that I didn't open myself up to civil litigation. Uh, this one was much different because there was because of the fact there was so much history involved in this one, there was some exhaustive research put in to ensure that we had the facts right. We had the names right. We had the dates right, that sort of stuff. And there's a lot of, thing out there, a lot of stuff out there online that is actually incorrect. And so it's like you read, you know, like even Rocky Felker's age, 
go Google Rocky Felker. You got one, some websites had him at 32, some had him at 33. I'm sure he'd love to be that age today. But my point being is that uh, you can't always trust what's online. But go visit alphadogsthebook.com. Order your pre-order copies today. Treat yourself to something cool. Speaking of cool, Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, man. Great people, great food, great prices, great atmosphere. You, you can't do any better. You know, if you're looking for a great restaurant-quality hamburger, then search no further than Bulldog Burger Company. Now with two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, two fine locations run by fine people, part of a great family of restaurants that has served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. They know exactly what they're doing. And sometimes you need to find your own favorites. And uh, you, you go to Bulldog Burger Company, and listen, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if you're just kind of tipping your toe into the water, maybe you get the Bulldog. Because the Bulldog is that great American hamburger. I mean, just straight ahead, give me the beef and cheese, a few toppings, whatever, and, and we'll call it a day. And they even put the, the Bulldog Burger logo on the top of your bun. I mean, it's, listen, that, that's the signature burger there. But if you want to kind of change it up a little bit, and I, and I think that's the magic of Bulldog Burger Company, is that you can get things a little bit different, things you can't get anywhere else. I encourage you to have the Pimentology, add bacon, go have the Smokehouse, go have the Bryant. I, I get messages every week. People said, hey, Steve, I went and tried a Bulldog Burger Company for the first time. We loved it. We'll absolutely be back. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and Tupelo now go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. So here is where we are. So as of yesterday... The, the doom and gloom in this residence was at an all-time high because it did appear at that point that college football season for 2020 would not happen. I am more optimistic today. There are some people that are more optimistic than I am. I am still very doubtful this is going to take going to work out. But that said, it's not over. It's not over. And I'm always careful, you know, what I post or write. I try to be anyway to make sure that I have as much of the facts as I can. And in a situation like this, the facts change, and sometimes they're kind of slow uh, to make their way to you and, and to I. And so and a lot of times that I've learned the first time that you get some information, the first report is usually incorrect. So let's talk about how we got here. So on Friday, you and I both kind of celebrated with glee that the SEC was going to finalize the schedule. And that's one of the things we had hoped to kind of talk at length about today. And, man, goodness gracious, if you're the folks at Arkansas, my word, you pick up Georgia and Florida, and everybody thought, man, if anybody's got a beef, it's Arkansas. But what's interesting is you got Sam Pittman and you got the athletic director from Arkansas coming out today advocating for the season, saying we want to play. If anybody in the SEC benefits from not playing, it's Arkansas. They may not win a game. But yet, here they are advocating for their student-athletes, saying, we want to play. And if anybody in the SEC benefits from a cancellation, it's probably them. And Ole Miss, to a certain extent. You know, and I, I'm told there's some people at Ole Miss that don't want to play. Uh, they've got some issues up there. But by and large, I mean, I think everybody in the SEC should want to play football. Now, so let's talk about how we got here. So Friday, we have that, that enthusiasm. And then Saturday morning, before we could even get up and get the cartoons turned on and get the kids donuts, uh, there's talk among the national media, I guess Pete Thamel may have had it first, that the Big Ten was meeting that morning to discuss possibly canceling the season. Now, that did not make a lot of sense initially. But Pete Thamel is a trusted national reporter that has impeccable sources. I have... Had many communications with Pete over the years. I like Pete a lot. 
I, I think Pete, in many respects, is as connected as anybody. And I don't blame anybody for being well-informed. Even if the narrative changes, I don't have any, any qualm with Pete Dammel's uh, comments about the Big Ten. I know some other people feel like that he is kind of gleefully, uh, you know, kind of pushed towards being right here. And there are many of these national college football writers that, uh, you know, since Mar- the month of March have been forecasting we wouldn't play college football. Of course, there was no data at that time to support any of their contentions, uh, but they couldn't wait to get out in front and kind of tell their story. And here's the thing, too. One of the most, the, the most irritating person in life, in many respects, is the person that lays the groundwork to come back later to say, I told you so, especially over something like this. They know how much we love college football. They know how much hope and love and emotion we have invested into playing college football. Listen, we lost college baseball. We lost spring sports. We didn't have the College World Series. Uh, We've barely had any pro sports. And so all of us have kind of said, you know what? We'll do what we need to do. We'll quarantine. We'll stay home. We'll work remotely. We'll wear a mask. You know, we'll do whatever we got to do to help put this thing behind us. But yet here we are. And despite our best efforts, and listen, there are some people that have not been compliant, and I'm not going to sit here and hold judgment against anybody. But I have done what they, what they told me to do. I have done what everybody says, hey, hey if Steve, if you want college football, you got to do this. Well, I did it. I did it. So where's my college football? So Pete puts that out there. And so let's go back to you know, the Big Ten stuff. So here is what I have learned since then. Okay, so that was floated out there that privately that Michigan was kind of driving the bus here, that the university president at Michigan – was adamantly opposed to playing, and that uh, kind of broached the subject with some other university presidents, and then they kind of pushed the thing on Saturday. And I understand, too, that that meeting was already scheduled, that it wasn't some emergency meeting. Some have kind of billed it as, you know, it's not like there's no news. There's no new data. It's not like, you know, that we've had some type of, uh, you know, national emergency overnight that kind of, you know, predicated the need to put together another meeting, especially one of an emergency session, and so I understand that meeting was already set to take place because of the fact the Big Ten was set to begin football camp today. And so Saturday was supposed to be one of those, okay, here's where we are. Let's kind of take an inventory. How do we want to handle this? And so before those hot takes could even chill a little bit, before they could become lukewarm, the Big Ten issues a statement that they were going to continue forward with football practice but not have padded practices. They weren't going to go ahead and go into, quote, phase three of the return to football. And it is incredible to me, I mean absolutely incredible to me, that rather than everybody kind of take the day off on Saturday and say, okay, well, listen, you know, crisis averted, we're good, then immediately everybody in the national college football media begins to release these sourced reports based on clandestine sources uh, sharing you know, things that kind of fit their narrative. And, uh, you know, Dennis Dodd is one of those guys that uh, you know, he came out and the, the title was very misleading. Uh, it said Power Five ADs, and technically that was correct because there were two people that were quoted anonymously about not playing. And then to Dennis Dodd's credit, he goes back yesterday and actually gets a couple people to speak on the record. One of those being the AD from West Virginia that said, hey, listen, if we're just going to wait on a vaccine, then let's go ahead and shut this thing down for two or three years. Uh, No, that's not an acceptable solution. There's nobody anywhere. 
that's going to be okay with that. Now, and some would say, well, you know, he's just trying to say that we shouldn't wait for the vaccine. And I don't think that was the case either. You can't have it both ways. Either he's advocating saying we should wait for a vaccine or we should go it alone without the vaccine. It, it can't be one or the other. I mean, it has to be one or the other. It can't be both. And then, of course, uh, Ross Dellinger, Pat Forty have had these articles that uh, have come out. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I, I like and respect many of these people. There are a lot of these people that are better writers than me, that are better connected to me. Uh, I won't say they work harder than me because I don't believe that. But uh, be that as it may, there are people that are, that are more established. And so when they put out articles like this, I know there is a modicum of truth in every bit of it. It may not be what I want to hear. And, that, and that's some of what we all kind of battle, too, is like when we hear things that don't fit what we want. And I am included in that. The first emotional reaction is to reject the report. Well, that can't be true. That can't be true. Now, if we're talking about in-state media and the Ole Miss NCAA investigation, you're right to reject that on principle. But there are there are some people that are being basically used, and I don't know if they're willing participants in the process or not, but they're basically you know getting the talking points in the Big Ten about how, okay, we're going to cancel football, but the talk behind the scenes was the Big Ten didn't want to go along. Well, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are as thick as these. They play the Rose Bowl. I mean, there's a lot of things that they do, you know, interconference related. And so the Pac-12 is going to do what the Big Ten wants to do. Now, I had somebody share with me yesterday, and I think this is important. You know, the Pac-12, their issues are a little bit different than ours. Even though we share a collective future, you know, Probably, you know, the firestorm of this Players Association, the Student Bill of Rights thing, has really kind of happened and sparked out out there in California and on the Pac-12. You know, Washington State is kind of pushing the issue out there. you got a lot of players involved in that. And so I was told yesterday that there were some threats and some concern that you – let's say you have an ESPN – you know, 9 o'clock game or whatever, Central Time, a primetime game between a couple of, of Pac-12 schools, and then the players use that as a way to further their agenda. Like perhaps maybe they just you get ready to kick off and everybody walks off the field. That there was some threats behind the scene, that there, that there was some worry again that was part of the deal, that these people would use the season as part of their activism. And listen, I'm a firm believer, use whatever platform you have and speak your piece. I'm a free speech guy. I may not agree with what you have to say, but I certainly respect your right to say it. And so no matter how you feel or what you feel, I think you have a right to share your thoughts. This is still America, okay? It is. Uh, even though many of our freedoms have been taken from us. Because, you know, the, listen, and I'm not going to go on some diatribe here about this sort of stuff, but, but we are not living in a free society right now. We're not. We can convince ourselves that we are, but we're not. We're not. We're not free to assemble. We're not free to worship. Not the way we want. You know, we're, we're, not, you're not, we're not free to have you know, personal freedoms. I mean, you, 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 you got to wear a mask everywhere you go. That's the law of the land. And then some people would say, well, you know, Steve, you got to wear a T-shirt and shorts and shoes, too. That's true. It's true. But many of our freedoms have kind of been restricted. But the, we are all still kind of free speech advocates until, uh, until we hear something we don't like and then we want those people to be silenced. Uh, that, is the, that, that is the height of insecurity. It's like, well, since you don't agree with me, I think you should lose your job. 
And since you don't agree with me, I don't think you should have the right to speak anymore. I think they should delete your Twitter account. I think you should be limited on social media because I don't agree with you. There's a lot of speech out there that I don't agree with either. There are a lot of people that don't agree with me. And, and, and here's something, too. And I don't want to chase this rabbit trail for very long. But when I was on several radio programs back in 2016 and 2017, and I was the, really the lone voice in the wilderness about this old Miss NCAA investigation and how many people in the in-state media were complicit in the cover-up. And, I don't, and, and that's what people say. Well, you know, Steve, don't attribute to uh, malice what could be explained away in incompetence. So listen, there was some incompetent journalism, but I know too much. There was one particular show, and I'm not going to sell them out. There was one particular show that a CEO of a company reached out to them and said, if you have Steve Robertson on your shows again, we are going to pull our advertising dollars. They wanted to throw their weight around a little bit. And thankfully, the people that run that show were like, you know what, go take a hike. We're not going to have some advertiser tell us who we can and can't book on our show. And then they went out and replaced him as an advertiser and then called him back and said, hey, I just want to let you know, go kick rocks. I will forever be indebted to those people for standing behind me. But there were people that wanted to silence me. And there are still those things that happen today. There are people that want to silence these student athletes when they say things that they don't agree with. You know, we've had, you know, we've had, you know, a lot of civil unrest around our nation. And then it's incredible to me that many of the people that were saying, okay, listen, you guys need to listen to these student athletes. You need to listen to them. They have a voice. They have a platform. Well, now some things have happened here. Now the players, led by Trevor Lawrence, who I, I think let's just go ahead and give him the Heisman Trophy now. He and Justin Fields from Ohio State, arguably the top two Heisman candidates in the country, uh, have unionized themselves. And now around the country, those individuals have had Zoom calls with other players and other Power Five conferences, and they stand united. And I am told privately they now have legal representation. So it's about to get sexy. What do you do when the people you're trying to protect don't desire your protection? Hmm. That's one of those things you begin to think and kind of question yourself. It's like we have, we, I say we, collectively as society in the college football world, we have acted like these young people are just mindless children that constantly need our supervision. Yet, when what they say, when their message, when they take to Twitter or social media, um, and they say things that resonate with our own value system, we're all about them having a voice. But now that their voice says, we want to play, now we're saying, well, we have to save them from themselves. Really? Because most of these guys are of age. And what I mean by that is, and I shared this on Gene's page yesterday, they're all above the age of 18, which means that they can enlist in the United States military, go out and serve, fight, and die for our country. They're old enough to make that decision. But in the minds of some, they're not old enough to decide that they want to play right now. They, many of them are old enough to get married, start families, and father children. 
and there's not it's not really a requirement on when you can father a kid you know we've got a lot of kids that have kids in high school but they're old enough to make that decision they're mature enough to make that decision but they're not mature enough or well-educated enough to decide if they want to play. These guys are old enough to drive. They're old enough to decide if they want to obey the traffic laws and the speed limits around our great country. And many of them are compliant to that. Some aren't. You know, we've had to actually some arrested for, for speeding. But we trust them to get behind an automobile. But we don't trust them to make a decision about their own college futures. And speaking of that, we trust them to make a lifetime decision when it comes to selecting a school. We think we trust their judgment and say, hey, you know what? They picked us because they're one of us. But hey, listen, kid, don't get out of line here. Don't sit here and tell me that you want to play when I'm sitting here trying to save you. Right? How arrogant. How incredibly arrogant. Many of these young people are old enough to drink. They're old enough to legally purchase alcohol and uh, to gain access to, uh, to places that sell liquor. And many of them drink responsibly. Some don't. You know what college was like. But we trust them to make that decision responsibly, but we don't trust them. We don't trust them to say, you know what, I understand the risk of college football, but I want to play. I want to play. You get a little deeper in all that, too. You begin to think, okay, well, Steve, and I said this on the show before, too, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate a little bit better for you here. There are some people out there who are so intellectually challenged, they do not appreciate that college football players are among the safest citizens in the United States of America, some of the safest citizens in the world. They have access to medical attention immediately at no expense to themselves. They are tested regularly. When they get into competition week, they're going to be tested six days and three days prior to competition. So in the event they do contract the virus, they're going to be able to get treatment immediately. It's not going to have time to fester. It's not going to have really an opportunity to even get, get symptomatic. They're going to be monitored by medical professionals at no expense of their own. But that's not good enough. And so some people, some of these psychic vampires out here would convince you that, you know what, we just need to turn this college football thing loose for a while. Let's just turn them loose on the world. Right? And so now, now you just put them back in the general population, right? Now they're not monitored by your team physicians. They're not monitored uh, by your coaches. They don't have people around them saying, hey, listen, it's so-and-so's coughing down the hallway. When's the last time he was tested? You don't have people having those conversations. You're just going to turn them loose in, in the wild, and let's say that you know, they're, they're going to go to some fraternity party. They're going to go to some get-together. Uh, they're going to meet some girl. They're going to have uh, some type of relationship. And listen, we've all been in love times, sometimes very, very short times. But the bottom line is this, you're going to put them out there and then you're going to expose them to more. Then you're going to have nobody to monitor it. You're not going to have anybody to keep up with them. You're not going to have anybody to track their medical progress. You're not going to have anybody to check their health. You're not going to have anybody to check their testing. And then they're going to go home on the weekends and they're going to take that contracted virus back and go see the grandmother because we have, we have Sunday dinner at Granny's house every day, every Sunday at lunch. And so now I'm going to go back and give my, you know, uh, immune system 
questionable grandmother. I'm going to go and give her a kiss on the cheek. Me and my COVID, right? I'm going to go give her a COVID kiss. Because the psychic vampires out there know better. It's stupid. It is among the dumbest things that has ever been said in the history of the world. To suggest that kids are better off without football, that they're safer without the supervision of the football coaches. That is among the dumbest things ever uttered. Well, let's just turn them loose. Yeah, let's just turn them loose. How are you going to sit here and tell me you care about their well-being and their health when you're going to turn them out there and take away all the, the medical safeguards they have? Then when they contract it, there's, it, it may, may be weeks. And who knows who they've spread it to at that point. And then all of the medical expenses is on them and their families. Yeah, brilliant. Kind of genius came up with that idea. And it's incredible to me to think about this too. You mean to tell me that it is not safe to make a tackle against another player who has been routinely tested by medical professionals and supervised by uh, team physicians for weeks than it would be to let me go down to the Cotton District and uh, make out with some girl. You kidding me? What sense does that make? But to hear the Big Ten sell it, you know, it's like, uh, it's just the, the science doesn't support us playing. No, actually, you're, in, you're, you're completely wrong. The science doesn't support us not playing. Because if these are the guys that you're worried about, then you would want them to have close medical supervision. It makes no sense to me. And so this is basically the coup of the Big Ten. You know, the, the, and, and, and again, it, it appears from what we're, we're told that uh, they really don't want to go it alone. So the Pac-12 will go with them. And then this morning there is some discussion that the SEC is holding firm. And I know that Paul Feinbaum and others late yesterday said, hey, that the SEC's plans have not changed. There's talk about the SEC kind of getting together with the ACC and the Big 12 and saying, hey, let's have a season anyway. I, I am not optimistic. I am hopeful. But I'm not optimistic. I, I spoke with Mike Nemeth earlier. Mike Nemeth, a uh, great friend to me. And I love the fact Mike was on the administration for 33 years. And so when, when I, need, I have a question about, okay, what is Mark Keenum thinking today? What is your athletic director thinking today? What, what, are, what were those meetings like? What would that be like to make a decision like this? And here's the thing that Mike shares is, you know, at the end of the day, university presidents are generally not risk takers. They're generally very conservative uh, in their decision-making process. And I don't mean that from a political point of view. I'm just saying that they're going to make the safe decision more times than not. They're not going to put the university at risk. And listen, there is a lot of legal liability with all of this. As somebody asked me yesterday, I said, Steve, you know, what's going to happen when some kid, and I hate to call them kids, but let's, let's just say when, when some young person uh, contracts the virus and has heart damage and the quality of his life is diminished forever. Nobody wants that, and that's true. It's true. But there's a greater risk of that happening with him not being a college football player. That's what, I, that's what seems to be lost in the discussion here. And so where do we go from here? I don't know. But it, today has already been a more positive day than yesterday. But, again, I would feel a lot better if Greg Sankey comes out and says, hey, listen, we're going we're to just kind of hold the road here for a while. We put a plan in place last week. We released our, our protocols. We released our opponents. And so – Listen, we still got, you know, six weeks to practice. You know, f football practice for the SEC doesn't begin until August 17th. 
so these same guys who have been working out together and going through, you know, walk walkthroughs together, they're still together. They're still hanging out. And so putting a helmet and shoulder pads on them to begin fall practice does not make them any more susceptible to the virus. And so we can we could wait and cancel the week of the game. So I don't understand the big rush. I don't understand. It's like, okay, everybody agreed. We're going to do conference only. We're going to do this. And then if you remember, the Big Ten's the one that couldn't wait. They're the ones that couldn't wait to get out here and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And, and I, my honest opinion is, is I believe there are some power brokers in the Big Ten trying to kind of take advantage of a green commissioner there. And at the end of the day, it's not Kevin Warren's decision. It's not Greg Sankey's decision. It's not Bowlesby's decision. You know, it's going to be up to the, the league presidents to decide, okay, this is what we're going to do. And the NCAA has left it up to the leagues. You know, Conference USA comes out and says, hey, we're going to play. There are other schools, other conferences said, you know, well, I guess it was the Sun Belt, said, hey, we're going to play a 12-game schedule. And I understand some people want to do it in the spring. It makes no sense to do it in the spring. You know, I, I don't know that the uh, the future, well, I guess it's already established. It's just not maybe a, a legal entity just yet. But the College Football Players Association, I, I can't see they would be okay with playing in the spring. Many of them are going to be trying to get ready for the draft. So they may opt out. And listen, if they opt out and we still get to play, that's part of the deal. But to play in the spring logistically doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, the draft is scheduled for late April, early May. And so when do you have the combine? Okay, so we're gonna, when, when, when are you going to play? Do you think the Big Ten weather is going to be any better in January or February than it would be in November, December? It's going to be worse. You're going to play a lot of games in the snow. It's going to be flu season again. Then all of a sudden you've got kids walking around with flu symptoms that aren't COVID positive and everybody's freaking out. It makes no sense. And then here's the thing, too. What if a kid plays in the spring? Because they're gonna they would try to do two seasons next year, a spring and then get back on a rotation in the fall. So a kid gets hurt in the spring, doesn't have time to recover in the summer, and maybe the senior year is the uh, the fall, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's diminished his stock as a college football player uh, and doesn't get on the pro football radar. Yeah, those are things that you can begin to consider, too. It's a lot of wear and tear on the body to think we're going to play two seasons in less than a year's time. The bottom line is they're kicking the can down the road. I don't think anybody truly believes we're going to have spring football. It's not going to happen. They're going to kick the can down the road as long as they can until the road ends, as Mike Nemeth says. And so if we don't play in the fall, we're not going to play. Big Ten, Pac-12 don't want to play. That's cool. That's fine. You do your own thing. I think the SEC has a chance to be national heroes here, not just for this year, but for all time. The SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 can say, you know what, we're going to play. We're going to play, and we're going to figure this thing out. And then, and then here's what's going to happen. ESPN is going to say, you know what, all that money that we were going to allocate and give to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, we still got to broadcast games. And I laughed about this earlier. You know, if Roy Kramer was the commissioner of the SEC, and I'm not being critical of Greg Sankey, please don't get me wrong. Roy Kramer, because Roy was such a visionary, Uncle Roy would have came out and said, you know what, boys, Uh, we're not going to do anything based on what another conference does. And I've been in contact with ESPN. We're going to push our brand into markets we've never been before. Because ESPN still got air college football, right? They still got got programming slots they got to fill. So that, you know, that, that 1130 game, 
you know, against Middle Tennessee State. Well, now all of a sudden, that's a national broadcast because there are no regional broadcasts in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. And so this is a chance not only for the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 to be heroes, it's a chance for them to, to expand their brand. And so while me, many people see this as a problem, I, I kind of see it as an opportunity for the SEC to really even improve their standing on a national level even more. There's risk involved. There's no doubt about that. There are risks involved. There are young people involved. But the young people are telling you, you know what, we're willing to take the risk. And so if an agreement can be made to lessen the liability a little bit, and people are like, well, you know, Steve, what, how does it mitigate? Listen, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But what do you do when the people you're trying to protect don't want your protection? What do you do? That's the thing that I think is the million-dollar question here. If Trevor Lawrence, the guy who will likely be the number one pick in the draft, he goes, says, you know, we, we, want, we want to play. We want to play. He's got more to lose than anybody. And he's the guy here leading the charge to galvanize the players, to unionize the players. And that's the thing, too, that I don't think people fully appreciate. And just so you know, we're going to go long today. We're going to go long today. Is now that now that the toothpaste is out of the tube, you're not going to be able to get it back in. You had every opportunity, as, a, as the NCAA did as a body, you had every opportunity to figure out this name, image, and likeness thing. You had every opportunity to figure out the Student Bill of Rights thing. You, you could have done it. But this may be the impetus that really gives the players a voice at the table. This may do it. You're taking away their ability to play the sport they love and – to further their own brands towards their professional pursuits. And so the people that are, quote, at risk the most are the ones saying, no, no, we're going to play. And you've got people reaching across. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovas.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west.
Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Conference lines and across rivalry lines saying, you know what, we'll, we'll, let's let our arms down here and let's unite for a common goal here and let's try to figure out a way to play. And we've got time to figure it out. That's the main thing. Just go ahead and let guys continue to practice so we can figure this thing out. But now that there are people involved in all this, and now that you know, you've got leadership, and that's the thing that I, that I have said all along, this NCAA thing, it has been devoid of leadership. I don't know that Mark Emmert should survive this. He may survive it. I don't know that he should. I think there are a lot of people involved with NCAA that probably need to find another career. I think there are some other people in leadership in college athletics that are probably in the same boat. I think there are a lot of people out there that are using some agenda-driven media to further their own interests rather than putting the needs of their student-athletes above anything else. I think politics has played a factor in all this, and I think that's unfortunate. I think that's the thing about college athletics. It allows us to put all those things aside and unite under a common banner, even for just a few hours. You know, when we're out there ringing our cowbells, you know, in a game against Arkansas, it doesn't matter who's a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian or whatever. Nobody cares. All that matters then is you're wearing maroon and you're a bulldog. And then the fact that some people would let politics corrupt one of the things that in many respects is still pure. And listen, don't, don't, don't message me about recruiting. I, listen, I'm no Pollyanna. I get it. But the bottom line is the college game at every sport, in every level, is pure there's a lot of things with that you play sports for the sake of playing for your team playing for your future you learn a lot about life by playing on a team you know when you get in the pros a lot of times you're playing for a contract you're, you're playing for a playoff bonus it's a little different deal these kids play for the love of the game and for their education and so there's a lot to be listen and here's i've already decided this if, if things develop i'll be back tomorrow you know, we're going to continue to I'll do my best to kind of frame things up. But I'm going to stay in contact with you guys because let you know what we're hearing behind the scenes. But this has basically been a power play by the Big Ten. And the talk is they don't want to go it alone. They want all the Power Five conferences to, to be united in this. And at this point, it does not appear that they are. All right, so let's take a little bit of a break for our top ten here. I'll try to be a little bit quicker today. But I uh, wanted to do something, to be quite honest, to remind you that I'm, I'm not angry. I'm frustrated, not angry. 
But uh, like all of you, I'll be absolutely furious if uh, this had not handled correctly. I mean, it is, uh, it is so incredibly important to all of us. All right, so, uh, so here we go. Top 10 list today, top rat songs. That's rat, R-A-T-T. And this is from my buddy Sam Denton from Ruville, Mississippi. You may know Sam. Sam's, uh, Sam is my, my, my concert buddy. When, we, when, when concerts are in, in play, Sam and I go. And uh, Sam and I liked uh, the 80s metal. And so we get a chance to go see some cool bands together. And so here, Rat is Sam's favorite band. So here are my favorite Rat songs. Let me give you a quick rundown of some honorable mentions today. Uh, Over the Edge, which is off the self-titled album, is an underappreciated classic. Body Talk off Dance Undercover. One of the, uh, one of the better videos of the, of the, the late 80s. Uh, What's It Gonna Be is one of my favorite songs off of the uh, Reach for the Sky album. It should have been a single. 7th Avenue is off Dance Undercover 2. One of those B-sides kind of tucked away in there. You think, man, this is a really good song. Probably should have been a hit. City to City is the lead track off of uh, Reach for the Sky. Absolutely love it. Uh, that The production, Bo Hill did a great job with Rat, but that album, I think, sonically is better than most. And then I Want a Woman, that was a huge hit for them. Uh, I want a woman, not some little girl who had to grow up in daddy's big world. Uh, I think that's all of us. Okay, so here we go. Here are my top ten. Number ten for me is Back for More. Back for More actually on the self-titled EP, Rat. And then that made it onto the Out of the Cellar album. Uh, great tune. Uh, it's one of those things, too. The guitar, Warren Martini is incredible on that song. Uh, number nine, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. The lead song on side two of Out of the Cellar was Lack of Communication. I believe that's correct. But Lack of Communication, great tune. Matter of fact, one time at the Texas Club in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Jeff Keith from Tesla was next to me in the pit, and we both screamed Lack of Communication at the top of our lungs. Great moment. Number eight is uh, Shame, Shame, Shame off the Detonator album. Uh, The intro to that song is so bluesy and incredible. You should listen to that album in its entirety. Uh, Shame, 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 You Should Have Known Better Than a Cheat on Me. That gum right. Uh, number seven is Dance off Dance Undercover. Another great video. It's one of those ones where uh, I think they were at Gazzarazzi's in, in, uh, out in West Hollywood. And they invite them to come up on stage and they have the, the performance. Cool. And that's back when Robin Crosby was still living. God bless Robin Crosby. Uh, number, number six for me, and this is usually their opener. They usually open every set with Wanted Man off of Out of the Cellar. Uh, You've heard that in so many different movies in the late 80s. I believe Weird, uh, Weird Science is one of them. But uh, Wanted Man, great track. Number five, and for you wrestling fans, you might remember this, back when the Barbarian and Jake the Snake Roberts were a tag team, Lay It Down from Rat was their, uh, their song for a little music video they did on Mid-South. Lay It Down, great opening riff. Warren Martini at his best. I think Warren on that Invasion of Your Privacy album, that might have been you know kind of his the pinnacle of his career as far as like defining his own sound. Number four, uh, this is kind of a, a theme song. Loving you is a dirty job and I'm the man to do it. That's kind of how I've lived my life. You know, I, I haven't always had, um, let me just say, I hadn't always uh, had the church going girlfriend. And the ones that did snuck out after choir practice to smoke a cigarette. Uh, number three, one of my favorite rat songs, and there are some days this could be number one. This is from the Point Break motion picture soundtrack, Nobody Rides for Free. 
Uh, I, I love this song. I listen to it some. I listen to it regularly. It's one of those things. It's like I don't have a playlist like other people do. I just kind of whatever I wake up and I want to listen to, I listen to it. And this is one of those ones when I think of rat, I can't listen to a rat have a rat listening session without listening to this track. Number two, a song about Elvis Presley. A lot of people don't know that. The song is Way Cool Junior. Uh, new kid in town. He's got fancy clothes. Heard he came from Memphis, somewhere down south. It's about Elvis Presley. Uh, so it may, may give you some new insight to that as you listen to it. Number one for me, though, and how could it be anything else? It's round and round. It's absolutely round and round. That was the one. Milton Berle, people forget this. Milton Berle uh, was the uncle of the manager of Rat, I believe. And uh, so Milton Berle is in that video in two different roles. Uh, you should check it out. But that's a top 10 list brought to you by Hawthorne.co. Visit them today, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Hawthorne, you're going to like the way you smell. It's as simple as that. There's so many people out there that are buying cologne that doesn't fit them. You can find something that fits you at Hawthorne.co. And use promo code BONEYARD to unlock some savings for yourself. I've shared with you guys many times before. And listen, I get I have people that sell ads for me regularly and say, hey, you're ready to drop Hawthorne or rotate this out. And we will at some point. But I believe I'm doing you a service by sharing this with you. It is the best cologne that I've ever worn. You get the work scent, the play scent. You can get the body lotion. You can get facial lotion. You get whatever you need. Whatever you need to make you look and smell and feel better as a man, you can find right there, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Again, it's Hawthorne.co. Use promo code BONEYARD. All right, so one of the things that I wanted to share, too, there are a lot of people out there. Listen, I've talked to some national media people privately, um, and some of, the, some of the conversations are kind of disturbing. And what I mean by that is, is there are some of these people, I don't know if they fully believe uh, kind of what they're reporting. What I mean by that is, I think, you know, that they get the quotes from certain people. And they report that. But I don't think they really believe a lot of what they hear. And good, bad, or indifferent. You know, and listen, I've had those too. I mean, you interview people and you think, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Dan, some, there were sometimes, and I think we knew Dan Mullen was being dishonest with us. You know, I can remember Andy Canazaro. You may recall when uh, Jake Mangum broke his hand. You remember that? Jake punches the uh, Duty Noble uh, dugout wall and, and breaks his hand. And Andy Canizaro tells us after the game that, well, when Jake slid into third, he did something to his hand we're going to look at. Well, he didn't slide at third. And a little bit later, Robbie Donahoe from CBI had video of Jake punching the wall. So Andy, Andy was dishonest with us. You know, Andy was trying to look out for his player, I guess. But the bottom line is, you know, he – you don't have to tell us the truth, but uh, don't lie to us. He could have just said, hey, Jake injured his hand, and we're going to have it looked at. You don't want to talk about it, don't talk about it. But don't, don't sit here and you know, tell me that he slid in at third. He didn't. But there's a lot of that that's going on right now. I think there are a lot of people that are kind of using the media to kind of further their own agenda. And so they leak things. And I, and I don't fault many of these guys because, listen, if there's going to be a cancellation of college football, that is a huge story. Who doesn't want to write that story? I mean, you, you, you may not like the subject matter, but you want to be the guy breaking that news, It's just, to be honest with you. There are some people that are a little bit too gleeful about negativity when it comes to college sports. And I've had other people that said, you know, Steve, this guy said this. And listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of these people are agenda-driven. I've talked to many of them. Matter of fact, I think just about everybody, everybody involved in national college football media, at some point I have met them. 
I've talked to them. I spoke to many of them in recent days. Uh, shared with somebody yesterday that they said, hey, well, here's what I expect to happen. And I'm like, well, why don't you write that? Why, why do you write all this doom and gloom stuff? If, you, if this is what you believe, why don't you write that? I mean, listen, the, the days of journalism are over anyway. Everybody's edit, editorizing everything. Why don't you just go write a column and say, Here, here's what I expect to happen? Well, I'm just doing my job. You know, I, I didn't know that coming off the top rope and being gleeful and, and basically taking glee and watching what we love be ripped away from us was doing your job. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, it's about reporting the facts, but it's, it's incredible how selective sometimes we are with the facts. You know, if the facts don't fit our narrative, we'll just change the, t- the topic of conversation. That's what, that's what appears to be happening to me. Is a lot of people out there, it's like, they're so invested in being right. And I mentioned that to somebody. I said, there are so many people that are over their skis about being right about the cancellation of football that they are, com- they are not looking at anything else. They only look at what supports their side of the argument. If you go and look right now, look, go look at the, the, the trend numbers from, I guess, worldometers, I guess. Is, and I, I, don't, I don't know their po- political leanings. It's a shame that we have to live a life like that. But the numbers are actually trending down. Not sharply, but they are trending down. We are making some progress. That's not to say that I think we should go play a football game tomorrow. But what happens over the course of the next four to six weeks? What's to say we don't go back and hit levels that are around March? Those are the things that I think about. I don't understand the rush to cancel. And so there are some people out there, people say, hey, look, Steve, I hate this guy. You know, well, here's what I would suggest you do. Unfollow them. Stop retweeting their content. Stop responding to their content. Stop sharing it on Facebook. Even to the point to say, can you believe this idiot? Because that's what they want. You're being their friend when you share their content. You you, want to stop that brand of reporting? Ignore them. Stop facilitating on their behalf to your followers, to your Facebook friends. Stop it. I, I can't count the times... That uh, and, and I, I've said it many times before, like those people Saturday down south, they're they're no longer what they once were. But uh, you know that was a, that was a deal too that was very anti-Mississippi State. And so as a result, you know, our some of our fans would go grab their content and go to these Facebook groups where there are thousands of Bulldog fans and say, "Look what they said about us." Okay, well, if you don't like what they have to say, then don't share what they have to say. You're not going to change their mind. As I've shared with you guys many times, in this clickbait journalism world, people are trying to redirect your eyes. That's what they want to do. They want to be able to go out there and say, listen, hey, listen, i got to go get you know, 25,000 views today. So do I want to go write about this great heartwarming story about this walk-on kicker who made good? i got a pack of dogs around here, man. And some, and some, hey, listen, sometimes somebody gets bit. Okay, that's how it works. All right, so but my point being is that, uh, you know, we'd go out and share this stuff, and then everybody thinks, well, we'll show them. We'll go get in the comment section. And all you're doing is driving that st- those things up there. Because, again, do I want to go write the story about the walk-on kicker, uh, you know, who, who found his way, who did something incredible, whatever? Do I want to write that story, or do I want to go out here and write something about, hey, the SEC – 
is going to do this. The SEC is going to cancel football. The SEC is going to is going to uh, push the the agenda here. SEC leaders do this. You know, just go, I mean, go look at the way that some of this stuff is aggregated. Somebody says report, and then they write the most salacious headline possible to get you to click, and then all of a sudden you get in there and you're like, well, wait a minute, this didn't. The headline said this. You know, a lot of times I just go ahead and repackage an old story. And so if you don't agree with that brand of journalism, let me encourage you, stop using it. Stop reading it. And if you do read it, by God, don't share it with others. Unfollow these people on Twitter. If they make you that mad, I mean, it's almost like the Howard Stern effect. If you guys have seen the Private Parts movie, which is a classic, I don't care what anybody says, I love it. Uh, Howard Stern, that, that, that when they were doing, remember, remember Pig Vomit, the program director? And so they were trying to basically, he was trying to sabotage his own host because he wanted to fire him and he couldn't because Howard had so much power. <clears throat> and they asked him, the people that love him, why do you listen? He says, well, I want to hear what he has to say next. And then they asked the people, well, those of those that hate him, why do you listen? If you hate him, why do you listen? Because I want to hear what he's got to say next. We have some people within the collective you know, population here. We kind of volunteer to be victims. It's like, listen, I hate this person, but I'm going to continue to follow him on Twitter. It's like a toxic relationship. Just cut free, man. Just turn loose of it. Unfollow them. You don't need that negativity on your timeline. If you don't like what they have to say, stop reading it. And there are some people that will say, well, listen, hey, did you see my tweet? I'm like, what tweet? Oh, I really told this guy. I'm like, well, what was the point in that? So now all of a sudden your followers are thinking, oh, well, what did he, what's he so fired up about? What is he responding to? Well, let me go read this article. So it doesn't have the intended purpose that you, that you have in, in, in the first place. All you're doing is advocating for the people that you don't like. I mean, my goodness, I would say probably, I probably got 40% of my followers are probably all Miss people. And you know why? It's because they want to know what I got to say next. Because when all that stuff happened with the Hugh Free stuff, I was the only person that was right. And so they're like, hey, if I need to know what's going on, I need to keep up with this guy. Our listenership skyrocketed on the boneyard when all that began to happen. Because number one, we had Mississippi State people that were curious because, you know, I was the voice in the wilderness. Then you had all Miss people thinking, hey, we're not getting the right information from our own people. Let's hear what this guy's got to say. I may not like him, but he at least appears to be pretty well-connected and well-informed, so I'll take what I need and kind of digest it how I want. And so the bottom line about all that is there are a lot of people out there that are going to write things you don't like. Uh, I am not a person that uh, is intimidated by opposing views. It just doesn't bother me. Maybe Maybe I'm jaded or I've just developed such alligator skin over the years. It just doesn't matter to me. But I also don't just continue to follow people. I tell you, the number one thing that will get you unfriended with me is and unfollowed is these people that think that if they tweet at elected officials every day, that it changes something. There is a sickness with that. Oh, well, I'm going to go tweet at this guy. I'm going to go tweet at this person. I'm going to go tweet at Nancy Pelosi. I'm going to tweet at Donald Trump. Listen, you need to go see somebody. They don't care the least bit about what you have to say. All you're doing is making yourself look silly. They don't care. 
And again, all you're doing is advocating for them because when you respond, all it does is give them another impression. And all of a sudden your followers are thinking, well, what's going on with this? And these other people too. I mean, it's, it's like there's some, I cannot wait for the election to happen because I'm so ready for people to stop. Like some people have stopped being friends on Facebook and have become basically uh, political pundits. That's what they've become. They're not friends. I don't ever see any pictures of their kids anymore. I used to always pick on people for posting pictures of their food. I would love to see that now rather than see you share some other meme or some other fake news story. There's so much of that that goes on now. It's absolutely incredible. I wish we could get back to just enjoying life and be able to, you know, one of the main reasons I got on Facebook is so I could keep up with my classmates and keep up with my sisters and keep up with my nieces and nephews. And so when I, when there was a baseball game I couldn't make it to, you know, or, uh, you know, when, when my nieces and nephews put on their Easter outfits and I couldn't be there, I wanted to be able to share in that. I wanted to be able to comment on that. But that's not what Facebook is anymore. And again, I didn't want to chase this rabbit trail that long, but it's, it's, it's aggravating to me. The, the solution to many of life's problems are very simple. You know, we may not be willing to accept it, but they are very simple. I had a friend of mine that shared that with me in great detail. This is back when I was still out. Uh, I was still an active addict back then. And uh, I was having a lot of trouble. And uh, my friend Benny Bruce, Benny Bruce actually, and, and people think I'm name dropping, and I don't care. Uh, Benny Bruce was an inspiration for me because Benny saw the movie uh, The Decline of Western Civilization Part Two, The Metal Years, and saw the rock band Tough out of Hollywood, and he was so inspired, he, dro- he packed everything he owned and drove from Slidell, Louisiana to Hollywood and tracked the band down, and he bugged them enough that they let him be the keyboard player in the band. I thought, man, how cool is that? How rock and roll is that, man? Leave everything you know and just go chasing your dream. And you know what? It lasted for a while. It didn't last forever, but he came back. And so we were just talking one day, and I was having a tough time. You know, I was really having a difficult time. He goes, you know, Steve, it's all pretty simple. He goes, but you got to be willing to live with the consequences. And I was like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, well, if you're not happy with your girlfriend, break up with her. If you're not happy where you live, move. If you don't like your job, get another one. It's one of those empowering moments for me. I realized, you know what, I'm not just along for the ride here. I don't have to be a passenger in my own life waiting around for accidental things to happen to me. And so that's how I think about all of this. That's why I'm so inspired by our student athletes around the country that are saying, you know what, we're not just going to sit back here and say, you know what, we're going to let these people who don't know us decide our futures. And, you know, I don't know that it works or not. I don't know if it'll work that we want to play hashtag. I don't know. But I know that there are people in leadership and college athletics that have let the rope slip. And now these young people are ready to grab it and take more control of it. This tug of war that you've had about name, image, and likeness and about player compensation and about player safety. And listen, one of the things that I'm a firm believer in is this extended insurance. With what we've seen with CTE, you know, how do you know that there are not going to be some consequences and some physical ailments that arise down the road? Uh, and when guys get done with the, their college careers, there should be some additional, you know, maybe some halo-type insurance coverage that is paid for by the universities because things pop up later. There may be some chronic injuries that reoccur that are a result of playing football or playing athletics. And so to me, that makes sense. 
you know, I've shared with you guys before, before we start giving the guys that are graduating debt-free more money, we have more money, we've got to clear up scholarship and equity. And I think this is the inequality, and this is where we do it. This is how we do it. A lot of people have said, what are going to be the ramifications of this long-term for college athletics? I shared with somebody yesterday, I don't know if college athletics can recover from this if we shut down college football. And you say, well, Steve, it's a little bit over the top. It's a little bit hyperbolic, and that's true. But I believe that. I believe that this will set us back. And I brought up on the message board last night, if you remember the big strike season we had in baseball, and then nobody came back, and then shortly after that, to get us back, they – they basically kind of relax on steroids. And then all of a sudden we had the big run to break Roger Maris's record. And we think, okay, this is the game I love. I come back. And then we find out that we got cheated on, that you, you, you bamboozled me. You brought me back. I'd given up on you. I'd found something else to do with my time. I'd embrace college baseball. I'd embrace, you know, my kids' baseball. And if I wanted to watch baseball, then, then I could. But I, I just – I was sold out completely on Major League Baseball. And, and then you bring me back – you know, with the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire thing, and you come back and I'm thinking, man, these guys are such great guys. How wonderful this is for the game of baseball. I'm going to watch. And we, we did it. We watched every night. Whether And even if we didn't get a chance to watch the Cubs or the Cardinals, which there were a lot of those games on, we watched other games hoping they would break in. When Every time there would be a, there'd be a cutaway. When Mark McGuire would come up to bat, there would be a cutaway. We'd have a chance to watch that. We'd have a chance to experience it together. And then we find out in hindsight that we get cheated on. Somebody that wants you to on you is Campus Bookmart. Love Campus Bookmart. I was in there a couple weeks ago as I shared with you guys. And listen, no matter what we do this fall, whether we play or we don't, you need to be repping the brand. You need to rep Mississippi State. If you're true maroon, you need to get some new maroon threads. Don't let other people say, you know what, but we're not going to play, so all of a sudden my enthusiasm for Mississippi State is diminished. Not, not me. I might wear maroon white every day. I might. And I can find it at Campus Bookmark. Stand man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there. They'll take care of you. Visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, you get a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. You can get your mask there, too. Many of you are thinking, hey, there's a statewide uh, mask mandate, so... Go get some Mississippi State stuff. You don't have to use this stuff that somebody made at the, at the church. You get something cool. Knock it out. I had some people. I, I was at uh, downtown, and I saw somebody buying Mississippi State masks. Say, hey, I'm going on vacation this week, or I've got a conference this week. I'm going to be representing Mississippi State, and you should too. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. So we talk about the financial wherewithal. So here's the, the, the biggest crisis in all this financially. You know, the MAC was the first domino to fall, as they say. You know, Mac falls. Well, see, and, and then they say it's an abundance of caution. It is not an abundance of caution. That sounds good in a press release, and it sounds good at the press conference, but it's not the reality. The bottom line is many of these G5 conferences are not going to have the resources to pay for testing the way they should. They're not going to, I'm, I'm told it's going to cost in excess of half a million dollars to properly test, unless they come up with some cheaper way to do it. It's going to cost about a half a million dollars to test routinely with all the protocols to be met. And if the MAC is not getting those checks in the Big Ten for the non-conference games, they're not going to be able to do it. So, again, it's not an abundance of caution. It is a lack of revenue. 
So then you get deeper into this thing. And so if we don't play, then what happens to spring sports? Now, I'm told Mississippi State's got a a sizable rainy day fund. We could probably make it uh, for a year or so. But we're dependent on football like everybody else. And even if, if we play with no fans, at least there's some TV money coming in. There's something. But what happens to spring sports? And listen, there are a lot of people out there already. Trust me, there are a lot of athletic directors around the country. They're already thinking, you know what? I really wish we didn't have these sports. You know, Stanford's already cut, what, a dozen or so? There are a lot of sports that are a drain on the athletic department. They're going to get cut. And is that what we want? Well, no, it's not. But that's the reality of where we are. And so then you begin to think about the years. I I thought about this recently, too. You know, with some conferences, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, Babe McCarthy was the first full-time basketball coach at Mississippi State. Because back in those days in college, college athletics was kind of like a glorified version of PE. You know how your PE teacher was good at everything? You know, they teach you how to play basketball, teach you how to play football, and then – he would uh, be the hitting coach on a baseball team and then coach defensive backs on the football team and then be the third chair assistant in basketball. They did what they had to do, and that's what they used to do at Mississippi State and other places. You know, you go out there, you guys walk around Chadwick Lake out there outside of the Bryan building. You know, Billy Chadwick was our AD and basketball coach, baseball coach, and football coach. Duty Noble at one time coached multiple sports at Mississippi State. Paul Gregory. Coach multiple sports here at Mississippi State. At some conferences, there's a real chance that's going to happen. And you say, well, Steve, it's not that serious. It is that serious. It is that serious. That's how serious the financial ramifications for this are going to be. That's one of the things that I think about, too, is if you're the SEC, why are you looking at the Big Ten to see how to act when you've got Conference, conference USA is going to play? They're talking about playing. What some belts gonna play, I guess. You know, and so it's like, if it's okay for them to play, why isn't it okay for us to play? So why are we looking at them when we should be looking at those that are playing? So why is it okay for Southern Miss to play, but not okay for State and Old Miss to play? What is that gonna do fandom wise? And I don't I don't mean for you alums, I don't mean for the true maroon. But what about the T-shirt alums? What about the people out there that are, you know, maybe they didn't even, never even come to the game. Maybe they're just people that wrapped the maroon and white, and they, you know, every so often they'll get tickets to a game, but they, they watch us religiously on TV. What if all of a sudden you get in the habit of watching somebody else? And say, you know what? Screw Mississippi State. You know what? We were sitting here dealing with a global pandemic, and I was so looking forward to playing, and they didn't play, but Southern Miss did. And I'm not saying we're going to have some big exodus of fans, but it will have an impact. There's no doubt. Because here's the deal. No matter who makes the call, and again, as I say, it's not going to be Greg Sankey. It's going to be the league presidents. The casual fan is going to say Mississippi State didn't play. The casual fan's not going to say, well, it's the president of the University of Michigan that kind of was a linchpin in this whole thing. No, they're not going to say that. They're going to say, is, you know what? Mississippi State let me down. You know what, I, I thought we were going to go to Omaha and have a chance to win a national championship at Foscue and Westburg, and then they canceled that for COVID. And now here we get in the football season, and, you know, I, I kind of made do during the summer and I'm driving myself crazy watching Netflix, and I've been looking forward to football season, and they didn't play. But you know what, these other people played. 
And that's why I think that you have to be careful here about fan apathy. What does it do to donorship? And listen, Mississippi State can't afford to go it alone. Obviously, you've got to have the support of your conference. But let's think if they cancel college football as a whole. Do you think Do you think that the NFL is just going to let that Saturday spot just sit there and stay vacant? No, they're not. They're not going to do it. You know, maybe one of the situations the NFL thinks, you know what? ESPN and all of our network partners, they've got all this surplus money out here to deal with that they were going to pay for college football. So what if we broadcast all the games nationally? What if we space them out and do a handful on Saturday and a handful on Sunday and we'll just capture the market? You don't think some of your T-shirt alums are going to you know, kind of reinvest in pro football? And listen, I get it. I know. I, I, I don't want to kneel for the anthem. I don't want to get in that discussion. But people are going to find something to watch. And while all of a sudden when Twitter and Facebook are filled up with, well, the Saints are doing great, well, I can't watch states. I'm going to watch that. And then what happens whenever, I mean, let's just say, you know, I don't know, I guess it's three years from now, four years from now, the SEC has to go back to the negotiating table with their TV partners. Well, now, they, 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 you know, ESPN can say, hey, guys, listen, we'd love to write you guys a huge deal, and uh, we're going to, but, you know, you know, we took a bath in that deal when you guys bailed on us. You know, we, we have been very good to you. Matter of fact, we set up an SEC network, 24-hour network, just for you. You know, to broadcast gymnastics and softball and other things that don't make us any money. We did all that for you, and then, listen, at the time of need, when we were, we were floundering too, you guys decided, you know what, I'm not going to play football. And so we've got to take you know, steps to protect our own interest here, and so what we're going to do is we're going to offer you this. And you know what? The NFL's been good to us, and so that spot that you, you were ordinarily getting, Saturday night spot, yeah, that's, that's going to be NFL. We're going to put you guys on the deuce. You're going to be on the network. If you don't think that's not going to happen, you're wrong. And people say, oh, Steve, they'll come back. Yeah, they will. They will. But look at Major League Baseball right now. Look at last year. Go look at, go look at number historic attendance numbers. Go look at fan interest. I remember a time in the 90s when you couldn't go to the shopping mall without seeing guys wear baseball jerseys. I mean, they were everywhere. I can't count how much money people spent on those things. Everybody had their starter jackets. I mean, you know, Joe Coleman is always dressed out in Braves gear. He's as fanatical about the Braves as anybody that I know. But there used to be an army of Joel Coleman's everywhere you went. Everybody had on their Major League Baseball cap. Now now everybody has, uh, you know, caps for their coolers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, oh, well, oh, I got a Salt Life cap. I'll wear that. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah, the girls at the casino will love that, Brad. But used to, everybody, wore. you wanted to let people know what part of the family you were part of. It's like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm a Braves fan, man. I'm a Cubs fan. And you wore that stuff like a badge of honor. There's not that same passion about Major League Baseball. There's just not. Now, you may have it, but collectively around the country, it's not like that anymore. It's not. That's the reality of where we are. And so I've talked a long, long time today. And, uh, and I just felt it was important. And again, if there are major developments today or tonight, I'll be back tomorrow. 
But right now, we'll plan to be here on Wednesday. Let me take this time, too, to remind you. Go to Alpha Dogs, the book, and pre-order your books today. Go do it today before you forget about it. I'm going to harp on it left and right. You can also get Flim Flam and Start Villains while you're there. Uh, I'm excited about this new book, and you should be, too. And it will remind you of some greater times. You know, we're dealing with some pretty negative things right now. But, you know, the book, I think, will be a nice little bit of a uh, vacation for you and remind you of of kind of what we're dealing with here, kind of remind you of what we love. You get to hear Sleepy Robinson talking about when the rivalry uh, became the rivalry for him and why he came to Mississippi State. I didn't know that. I, I had no clue. There was another player at Mississippi State that was kind of a, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, a mentor to Sleepy. And he came to Mississippi State because of that person. You'll be able to read about that. We'll talk about Mitch Moreland, about, you know, when, when Ole Miss was kind of the Ed school when he was finishing up his high school career there at Amory, but instead he came to Mississippi State. He didn't go along with all the guys that were going to Ole Miss. And you'll find out why. And so I'm very proud of the book, and I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's going to be something that a lot of you are going to want to give us Christmas gifts, and you're probably going to want to keep one for yourself. I know a lot of people would flim-flam. They bought it and passed it around, never got it back, and they had to buy I've had several people that said, hey, I lost my book. i got to get you to sign another one. Uh, I think Alpha Dogs, and especially Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, you know, I, I think you should keep them all. But I think if you're a Mississippi State fan, I think you're going to want to keep Villains and Alpha Dogs on the bookshelf. I think you're going to want to have that as a resource uh, at some point because there are going to be some stories pop up. And, and Alpha Dogs is written just like Stark Villains. If you want to skip around, you can. You know, where Flim Flam was kind of written chronologically. This one is too, but the chapters kind of stand independently. So if you want to go read about your favorite player, you can go do that, and you won't feel like you, you know, that you've missed anything. You won't be jumping in midstream. All right, that's going to do it for today. I've almost talked myself hoarse. But uh, I am hopeful. I am not optimistic, but I am hopeful something can happen. And I think the SEC can be the heroes in all of this and find a way to expand the brand, but also, too, to be national heroes. Because there's a nation of people out there that we, we need something to cheer for. And when you have players that are willing to go and do it, I think you got to find a way to get it done. That's going to do it for today, but until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.